everyone. I'm Emily Lavender, and this is the Forever Marriage Podcast. Forever Marriage at Lakewood exists to strengthen families by helping couples discover God's design for marriage. All right, guys, we're back with another episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast. This is season two, episode eight, and we're just going to jump right back in to the 10 necessary practices for restoration. So we are in season two, six keys to better sex in marriage, and we are still in the second key, which is to deal with sexual sin, past or present. And so we're going to finish up um, the second key here and finish up these 10 necessary practices for restoration. So in episode seven, we talked about the first three of the 10 necessary practices for restoration after sexual sin has been exposed. The first three were seek the guidance of a trusted and biblically wise marriage mentor. That was the first practice. The second practice was cut off any and all contact with the other person. And then the third practice we discussed in our previous episode was to speak the truth and nothing but the truth. So if you've not listened to those episodes, I encourage you just, if you're just picking up with episode eight, go all the way back because they really build on one another. We're in the fourth practices, fourth practice of the 10 practices for marital restoration. The fourth one is simply this give your spouse complete and unhindered access to any and all of your accounts. This might be your finances. This might be social media. It might be email. Any, give them access to anything that you have in your possession. And I will say this, an unwillingness to do so will communicate that you still have something to hide. There should no longer be anything hidden. If you read Genesis 3, you can see that it, hiding didn't work for Adam and Eve, and I promise you it will not work for you. Hiding is not God's design. Marriage is designed by God to be lived out in the open. That's why you can see in Genesis 2, 24 and 25, verse 25 says, The man and the wife were both naked and unashamed. Anytime there is shame, there is hiding, there is lying, there is deception, there is covering, that is an indicator that we're up to no good. Covenant marriage leaves no room for secrets. This may also involve, you know, maybe some uh, software on your computers or or devices that involve a, a third account, third accountability partner who um, reports are often sent to if you know if you are if you visit a site that is uh, considered um, sexual in nature and the reason why we encourage you know the accountability partner being a part of that is because your spouse can't be your police officer can't be your probation officer you you don't want that to be the case and so even though you've given them access, you want to give that third party access as well, too, so that if challenges have to be made and uh, that that third party would be able to do that, that's just a form of good form of accountability and allows your partner to do their own necessary healing without the additional weight of having to police your behaviors. Yeah, for instance, Don, you know this as we're working with if I'm working with a man and, for instance, his wife found out that he's he's been looking at porn, pornography, and as we talked about in our last episode, that 
just unsettles her as much as 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 an actual physical affair. And what I will often do with the guys I'm working with is say, okay, we want to, and this is just one way we do it. Uh, there's a platform called Covenant Eyes that we will use with guys if, if he has been discovered or disclosed that there was, uh, some type of porn addiction. He will um, download Covenant Eyes onto any and all of his devices that he has access to. And as Dawn said, uh, he will set up an accountability partner. And we greatly discourage, and ladies, let me just talk to you. Um, I know at times, usually when we're dealing with struggles with pornography, the wife wants to be that accountability partner, but we don't encourage it because... What you're going to be doing, you're going to be getting a report of, of, of your partner and what they have looked at and is anything uh, questionable, that type thing. And if that is you, it's just going to create a sense of insecurity, anxiousness, fretfulness for you that we don't, we don't encourage to, to put upon yourself. Mm -hmm. Let an, a trusted, accountable partner receive that for your husband of the same sex. Yeah, and we would encourage that the um, the partner who has been wounded or the mm -hmm. you know approve of that accountability partner. It doesn't need to be your partner. It doesn't the one who offended. It doesn't need to be their best friend. It doesn't need to be someone who uh, identifies with the struggle. Because we've heard all that before, you know, well, they identify with the struggle. Basically, that's code for they struggle, too. <laughs> you know, it has to be somebody who's going to literally maybe understand the struggle, but also needs to be an older, wiser accountability partner who is able to pull up and not cover and say, oh, I understand. So we're going to let this one pass or that this one slide. Yeah. Be brave enough to choose somebody who you really don't want them to see these things and let them be your accountability partner. Yeah. The language we use with our young couples here at Lakewood is this person most likely needs to be upstream from you. They're, they're wiser than you. They may have more relational capital than you have, more spiritual capital. Uh, they're further down the road. And the four parameters that we encourage you to look for in this person is obviously, one, they love Jesus. Two, they love you. Three, they love your partner. And four, they want God's best for the two of you. That is the person of the same sex that you're looking for. Okay. So in this one, we're talking about giving your spouse complete and unhindered access to any and all of your accounts. And that's devices as well. Number five in the 10 practices is be willing to go the extra mile. And if you're reading the verbatim of this, we've, we've put the extra mile in parentheses. You can read the verbatim if you go to our blog post. Uh, under forevermarriage.org. This was, we blogged about this last July of 2021. So you can pull up that blog and I think it's titled just sexual sin, but under going to extra mile, this is what we say is be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing with those to whom you're supposed to be doing. Basically 
Be predictable. Be where you say you're going to be doing what you say you're going to be doing with the people you say you're going to be doing it with. And you want to do that with consistency over time. And if your spouse requests that you download an app like Life360 on your phone so they can see at all times where you are, do it. You will most likely get frustrated. I'm just going to tell you this now. <laughs> and I don't say this. Uh, you're, you're most likely going to get frustrated in this step because over time, if you're doing consistently what you're supposed to be doing, being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing with those to whom you're supposed to be doing it over time. If it feels as though your partner has not loosened the range, you're going to get frustrated. I'm just going to tell you that now you'll feel as though your partner will not relinquish the right to punish you. And if they are doing that, let me just encourage you, leave that between them and God. That's not your role. You do your part and you trust your partner to God. Because I can just say this, Dawn's learned this with me, and I've learned this with her. God does a better job in of directing and guiding and convicting Dawn's heart and mind than I ever will. And God does a better job of directing, guiding, and convicting my heart than Dawn ever will. We're never given by God the right or responsibility to be one another's Holy Spirit. The only uh, power that we have been given by the Holy Spirit is self-control. So in the power of the Holy Spirit, you do your part to regain your partner's trust. Be willing to go the extra mile. Practice number six is simply this. If travel is required for your job, I encourage you to develop a plan of accountability with your partner that you both agree to. Let me just say that the last part of that is intentional, that you both agree to. And the key to this is once you've developed that plan of accountability with your partner that you both agree to it, let me just say this, work the plan. I'm going to say it again, work the plan because failure to do so will communicate to your spouse that you're really not repentant and serious about restoration. I found this, if this, if you're a guy listening to this, let me just say this to you. Nothing will create greater insecurity for your wife, for your partner than these two questions. The first question is this. Does my partner have a plan to deal with their sexual sin? The second question is this. Is my partner working their plan to deal with their sexual sin? I'm going to say, if there's any doubt or ambiguity in your partner's mind about either of those two questions, does my partner have a plan to deal with their sexual sin? Is my partner working their plan to deal with their sexual sin? If there's doubt or ambiguity about either of those two questions, restoration is going to be tenuous at best. Okay? Have a plan. Work the plan. If necessary, evaluate the plan and then tweak the plan. Have a plan, work the plan, evaluate the plan, and then tweak the plan. But as you do all of that, I encourage the two of you to do that together. Practice number seven is this. The job of the betraying spouse is to rebuild trust. 
So if you have betrayed your partner through some form of sexual immorality, your job is simply this. It's to rebuild trust. Now, how do you do that? You will do this with consistency over time. I, I have found it time and time again. Time, trust is built with consistency over time. You generally cannot fast forward or microwave trust. It's just with consistency over time. As we said in previous practices, being where you say you're going to be, doing what you say you're going to be doing with those to whom you say you're going to be doing it. And as you do that consistently over time, you will have a better likelihood of rebuilding the trust of your partner. There are no shortcuts to restoration. I, I wish there were. I wish I could wave a magic wand over you and there would be restoration instantaneously, but we just don't find that to be true. You cannot fast track the process. Consistency in your faithfulness to the process of restoration is key. I would just say that on many levels, you control the outcome by your consistency. Failure to be consistent with your spouse will set them back. And in the case of adultery, any contact made with the other person will set the restoration process back to square one, if not further. That's why we said early on in this, cut any and all contact with the other person if there's been adultery. You can't go back because anytime you go back to that person, even if it's uh, a text message six months later or a phone call a year later, it will set the restoration process back. I promise you that. But let me just encourage you, be patient with your spouse as seemingly random thoughts or incidences pop into their head. This is just going to happen. They're going to have questions, and we'll talk about this in just a moment. They're going to want to know details, and you're going to be tempted as the betraying partner to lose patience. But I just want to remind you what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that love is patient. And I will say this, you, you cannot well up that patience in and of yourself. You will have a short shelf life. Your own personal patience has an expiration date to it. But patience that is empowered and infused by the Holy Spirit within you as a child of God will far exceed what you could do in and of yourself. And so you may just need to pray during this time as you're seeking restoration and rebuilding of trust. Lord, empower me with your patience with my partner. And this goes both ways between both partners, both the offending party as well as the offended party. Lord, give me a patience that far exceeds anything that would be in and of me. The eighth practice is this. I'm speaking now to the betrayed spouse. The job of the betrayed spouse is to forgive. Now, understand that forgiveness is an ongoing process. It's, it's not going to be a one-and-done scenario. Many couples that we work with, especially in the forgiveness process, forgiveness in general, not just in the case of sexual immorality, but just forgiveness in general is an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's not just, yes, I chose to forgive that person, so I should be able to move on. It's an ongoing work. It will be continual. 
So don't let this frustrate either of you. What we encourage is this, is that the two of you would grant the same forgiveness to one another, to your spouse, that God through Christ has granted to you. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And that's, that's the process of forgiveness. And understand this, we can't do that in and of ourselves. No way, no way that you and I can forgive as Christ has forgiven us apart from his indwelling spirit, as Dawn read for us in the last episode from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, I will say this, as the betrayed spouse, you have the right to know everything that has happened between your partner and another person if there has been adultery, sexual immorality. However, I want to caution you. You have the right to know everything that has happened, but with that right, you have to be then willing to forgive everything that they may tell you. So be cautious of pressing for extremely intimate details as these almost always will create tormenting thoughts that can thwart the healing process. Yeah, let me let me speak to that for a minute, because I think it's natural to want to know um, some of those details. Um, and I think that it's important to understand the effect of knowing those intimate details. They almost always create uh, tormenting thoughts. Um, that will impede the healing process for the betrayed spouse. Now, let me say this. I do feel like that some of those intimate details, the things that the betrayer actually engaged in, does need to be confessed in the relationship with the accountability partner. If you read um, much of Neil Anderson's work on and following the steps to freedom, Confession of activities that we have participated in is important in order to renounce them or to uh, and to turn away from them. But that must happen in the context of with the accountability person, the same sex accountability person that Scott defined so well before. So I do think that that that's important. Sometimes this we, we may be given the impression that the betrayer uh, gets a pass on some of on everything. Well, good. I don't have to tell those. But if you want to be completely free of um, and break off a relationship in order to build a healthy relationship, rebuild healthy relationship with your spouse, the confession of the things that you engaged in has to happen. But it must happen in the context of the accountability partner. And that wise accountability partner will you know, should be able to discern, hey, this is something you need to talk to your spouse about. So we'll include that in our show notes. Don't just reference the book that we're taking uh, couples here at Lakewood through right now. It's called Setting Your Marriage Free by Neil Anderson. And we just recently covered chapter nine of that, which is dealing with this issue of sexual immorality. What do you do with adultery when you've been bitten by it? And so uh, Emily will include a link to that book if you want to pick a copy of it up um, on Amazon or whatever format you use so you can read that. 
Now, the ninth practice is this. Establish a specific weekly time and place that questions can be discussed. And this is beyond the counseling session. So we're we're working from the assumption, as we said in our last episode, you can't do this alone. It's not that you're doofuses. Don't, Don't take it personally. We're not talking down to you. But what we find is most couples cannot go the restoration process on their own. Uh, it, it, it just works better in a safe environment where with a trusted companion, a marriage mentor, as we've already talked about in, in the last episode. Uh, you're going to be working through the restoration process with them, but there's going to also be uh, conversations that will be had throughout the week between sessions. And what I encourage you in this, this is where this practice comes in, is establish a specific weekly time and place that questions can be discussed. Now, why do we say this? This will ensure the betrayed spouse that they will not um, that they will be able to address their concerns because inevitably for the betrayed spouse, there's just questions that keep coming up. And let me say this, if I'm, I'm I want to speak just momentarily to a person who may have been betrayed. There are no questions that you're going to be able to ask that will f- finally give you this sense of closure or an aha moment of, oh, I get it now. This makes sense why they had the affair or why they did this. No, there's never going to be a question that you will ask so precisely, co- so clearly, so concisely that you will get a response that will give you a f- a favorable aha moment. It just does not happen. Um, but you will have these questions. But also what I want you to understand about your partner who's betrayed you, they will often sit on pins and needles because they're never really sure when and where the questions are going to come from. And so there's this sense of unsettledness in the household. But what we find is if you both agree on a specific time, a specific place on a weekly basis that any of these questions can be asked, it prepares both of you spiritually and mentally, mentally, emotionally uh, to to deal with these questions. So just don't don't do an indiscriminate way of asking questions. It just doesn't tend to work. It, if anything, it just it tends to blow up for one or both partners. So establish that specific weekly time and place that questions can be discussed. And then our final practice is this. Understand you don't want things to go back to normal. You don't want things to go back to normal. Inevitably, a couple will say to us, we want to go back to how things were. No, you don't. Because normal is what got you where you are. It's been said before, your system is perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. I would say it this way. Your marriage has been perfectly designed to give you the results that you're getting. So how your marriage had been previously set up it was designed to get you where you are. And so you don't want to go back to that. So if you're not where you want to be as a couple, something's got to change. 
Biblical restoration can take place, but it just takes time. It will not, nor should it happen too quickly. It's a process that God takes us through slowly, methodically, to deal out, as Dawn said, uh, as we confess sin. Restoration is a process of growth. It's a spiritual process of growth. It's emotional. It's mental. It's relational. And so it just takes time. None of that happens overnight. And to think otherwise would be foolish. Let me just say some final things as we close out this episode. Should there be a setback, and let me just be candid with you, there most likely will be a setback. As the betrayed partner, you're going to have remembrances that just kind of set you off, okay? Um, And if that happens, just understand that's part of the process. It's important to regroup and keep moving forward. Don't let setbacks set you back. Understand this is just part of the process and will hopefully give you the grace. If you understand this is part of the process, hopefully our prayer is that that will give you the grace and the patience you both need to continue moving forward. Let me give you some scriptures just to meditate on. These have been helpful for us as we encourage other couples. These often become prayers that I will pray over couples that we will pray over ourselves. The first one is this. Isaiah 41.10 says this. God is with you. Let me just say that to you. God is is with you. Hebrews 13.5 tells us this. He'll never leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Psalm 46.1 says that he's an ever-present help in your time of need. And you need him right now. We need him always. But you, especially now. And you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in him with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. So rehearse those truths daily. Remind yourself and your spouse of these realities. We found that sexual sin breeds immaturity in men and insecurity in women. Neither of these traits are beneficial for a healthy marriage. You don't want immaturity or insecurity in your marriage. It will get you nowhere good. If you have sexual sin in your life, past or present, Dawn and I implore you to deal with it now. Don't think it'll just go away. Don't try to suppress it. Don't deny it. Don't ignore it. That will only make things worse. If you don't... Believe me, read Psalm 32, 3 to see what happened with King David as he kept silent about his sexual sin. And remember this, without revealing, there is no healing. Thank you for joining us on this episode. In our next episode, we're going to go into an intro into key number three of the six keys to better sex and biblical marriage. And we're going to talk specifically about three ways to become a student of your spouse. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. If you're listening and this was helpful to you and encouraging, I would just encourage you to go to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Um, You'll be notified whenever we publish a new episode. And also while you're there, if it was encouraging to you, just take some time to rate, to rate our show um, and give us a helpful review. 
So thank you for listening today, and we'll be back with another episode of the Forever Marriage Podcast.